Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everyone? This is your boy, Dapper Data, the show that makes data your passion, okay? This is the Data is My Science podcast. As you already know, all the the, um, the old listeners know and new listeners are about to find out. Uh, so as you know, I've talked about artificial intelligence over the years. I've talked about uh, machine learning as well. And I really have delved deep into both, right? Supervised learning. Uh, we talked about robots a little bit. But I've also kept it at a high level as well. So I actually have a special guest on the podcast today, Dr. Joshua Smith, and you'll get a chance to know him very well. But first, I kind of want to tell a story, right? I want to tell a story to get into uh, um, um, some of the topics that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and I already talked to Dr. Dr. Smith about this. But when you, I think about my past, right? And I think about and and throughout my life, I've actually um, gone through church, right? You know, my mother, my father, they've gone through church for for uh, for many years and they actually introduced me to the church and I was all about the church life, right? I was really involved, um, actually became the IT ministry lead of my church at one point. And, but it was just basic stuff, right? Your servers, your routers, your switches, all the network ports, all that good stuff, right? But nobody ever talked about data science related stuff. Right. I mean, I don't know if I'm just getting older. I'm only 35, but but <laughs> but but at the time, um, throughout throughout my time as the IT ministry lead, we didn't talk about any of that stuff. Right. We just talked about your basic things with technology. And so now you go into technology and you you start to hear more about artificial intelligence. You start to hear more about robotics. You start to hear about uh, data science, right? Which is what I'm really involved in now. And if I take, if I go back through my journey in life and I go through the educational system, I actually, it was always this, this tear, right? It was always this tear between, uh, you're learning about artificial intelligence, you're learning about data science, right? But you have faith, right? You have religion, you have faith, right? Involved as well. And so they always say, man, you know, you can only have one or the other. You don't, you don't, you don't, you can't, you can't, you have to choose, right? You cannot educate yourself on both. And so I brought a special guest here that actually says, look, you know, let's talk about both, right? Let's talk about the bridging the gap, right? Because you can't fight the way the world is going right now when it comes down to artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all that good stuff, right? I mean, you think about it, the, the kid, right? I have a 10 year old son. He's, he's he's always talking about when he first gets up in the morning, right? He's like, let me get my phone. It's spring break time. He's like, let me get my phone. I'm on TikTok. I'm on social media, right? And I'm trying to get him off of it, but that's a whole other story. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, when he goes to sleep, he's like, oh, let me get into social media again, right? Let me get into uh, whatever it is, but he's not even thinking, okay, this is artificial intelligence, right? I still, hey, he goes to church, you know, he's still, he's still involved in church and things like that, you know, but, He's never trying to compare the two, but when he gets older, right, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be something where I just want him to be educated on both. So I actually have an expert here, right, Dr. Joshua Smith, and and he's going to talk about 
many things, right? He's going to talk about AI-driven AI driven robots. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the ideology of artificial intelligence. And another topic, another topic that nobody talks about, right? And we were talking about this earlier, uh, uh, is oppression of artificial intelligence, right? It is very important. This is a conversation that can get serious, right? But it's, but it's, it's, it's something that, that a lot of people, especially the younger generation, need to understand as they grow into this AI world, right, that's coming. And so we're just going to have a great conversation around artificial intelligence, around um, how automated warfare could impact us in the future, you know, and just a lot of good conversation right here. And, and so I'm just going to talk a little bit about Dr. Joshua Smith and what he does. And right now he serves as a pastor and independent researcher. He focuses in on uh, the intersection, right? Bridging that gap between faith and technology, which a lot of people uh, are, are, are kind of, they're choosing one side or the other, right? You know, but we're gonna talk a lot about the, uh, the differences, the intersection between the two and, and especially AI driven robots. Um, so without further ado, I want to introduce you all to uh, Josh, Dr. Joshua Smith. You know, say hello, Dr. Hey, Joshua. Hey, just, Josh is fine, man. Just, oh, Josh is fine? Okay, Josh man. Fine. Yeah, I don't know. When I get my doctorate, I don't know if I'm going to uh, – I, I stress so much, right? At one point, mm -hmm. I said, look, I'm I'm not going to tell anybody to call me doctor, right? But yeah. then it was a stage in my life where I said, hey, somebody's going to call me doctor because I put it <laughs> – <laughs> No, it does feel good. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Um, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a pastor and uh, that's my full-time job. That's my vocation. Um, and I kind of see it like pastor by day, researcher by night type thing. So if you like Batman, um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I view it. And, um, and so I really kind of coming out of the PhD, which I just graduated last year. So newly minted and everything, but um, I didn't see a lot of research on this area, as you know, and there's not a lot of this either. Uh, we, we're not going to talk about religion, right? That's one of the taboo things you don't talk about, you know, religion and politics. Uh, and so I'm kind of like bringing them all together and, and trying to be civil and say, Hey, hey we want to work together for human flourishing for the good of society. But there's all these problems ahead of us. If we, if we just kind of segregate everything and um, as we've seen already that it, it's just it's something as a society we must acknowledge there's problems and um we just from history we learn man if the public doesn't say anything if we're quiet unspoken about things then uh, change doesn't happen um so i'm glad you brought me on thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this stuff um and so that's pretty much pretty much me married been married um 11 years uh, got oh, two really? kids yep and um my wife has put up with a lot of weird stuff i was in the military uh for a while so deployed and um then she put up with me going through a phd program and uh, i was in school for like uh, i think pretty much all of all of our marriage you know the first 12 years just school and um before that i was in and out of different um different things you know different jobs and um don't come from an educated family. Um, mm -hmm. I'm the only one to go to college. Yeah, breaking um, that generation of curse, right? I, I did, man. I just like, you know, where do you go? I just kind of went to the <laughs> one. So, um, I know your kids, yeah. man. They, they're going to say, 
I can say, man, I got to do this now, you know, because. <laughs> no, nah, man, they don't. If they, you know, I, I told them, you know, I tell them all the time, man, it doesn't matter what you do. I, right. I love you. And um, if you want to be a mechanic or a plumber or whatever, you don't. Yeah. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I didn't really want to research this topic just to be honest because of all the issues that we talk about. Yeah. And um, but it was really it was introduced to me and mm -hmm. <clears throat> or offered to me you know and i did an independent study on ai and theology and um i just always been curious i programmed robots when i was in high school for mm -hmm. a um, for the nissan factory i did that oh, for a summer um so i've always been fascinated by robots i worked with a few in the military uh system called the phalanx system if you, it looks like a big r2d2 uh with a 20 millimeter gun on the bottom of it so it's really wicked yeah. looking um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I did that. And then, uh, so it all kind of intersected when I watched the HBO series Westworld. I don't know if you've seen oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that really, got me, that really got me thinking about, you know, if, if we could create an AI driven robot, what would we do with it? Mm -hmm. And I think they get a lot of the neuroscience wrong, uh, in the cognitive science, but I do think they get right. Like how we would use it. And especially mm -hmm. with data and stuff. Um, I don't know if you've seen the current season, the last season. No. But there, there's a really interesting thought behind what they would do with all this collected data mm -hmm. and how they would use that to control the world, to control the outcome of people's lives, you know, to set certain caps on people's lives. And and I really, I really think that's where we're headed uh, in a lot of ways. And so this book that I've written, Robotic Persons, uh, it, it's a... It's a Christian perspective on all these issues that we're going to face with AI and with future robots. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not so much like I care about robots and, I'm, you know, just concerned about how they're treated. It's more so that I'm, I'm really concerned about how we will be affected by um, mistreating uh, a, a, a person or mistreating a piece, an object. Uh, and kind of what that does to us, right? And, and I think a lot of people have very strong opinions about this. And so just right out of the gate, it just, yeah. if I ask somebody, you know, can a robot be a human? Uh, it just invokes a strong response and they can't tell you why. They may not even can tell you what a human is. Right. Uh, right. But they're like, no, it cannot <laughs> be human. And I would agree with that, right? Yeah. But then you, you break it down even more and say, okay, can a robot be a person? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we, we think, you know, well, a person is a human. And, but I don't think that, you know, even in what I do in the book is look kind of biblically, can we define what a person is, what a human is? Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think a person is a character in a story. So, you know, there's all kinds of characters in the story uh, of God's, in God's word, right? There's all mm -hmm. kinds of characters in our life. Um, that doesn't mean that they're human. It doesn't mean that we give them human rights. It doesn't mean that we give them human um, responsibilities and all that stuff, but that we can treat them in certain ways and give them certain levels of um, responsibility. And I, and I think that's, for us, the most responsible uh, approach to this. And so that's what I argue for in the book. And um, that's a, it's called the argument for legal personhood. So there's mm -hmm. different types of personhood. You know, there's moral personhood, which we have as humans. And then there's legal personhood, which, you know, a bridge can be a legal person. 
a corporation mm-hmm. is a legal person, right? Mm-hmm. And so anything that can enter into a contract, um, be an object of a lawsuit, those type of things. And so that's really what I'm arguing for uh, in this book. I'm not arguing that we grant robots, um, you know, moral right. person. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm not saying we won't ever get there. I don't know. But we kind of see from the animal rights movement um, and even from the women's suffrage movement, like, People are like, and, and even, you know, African-Americans, this, mm-hmm. well, they're not really, you know, they can't have property. They, you know, they can't do these things. And right. and at one point that was legit how people believed. Right. And that's, that's not something we just made up. People really thought that if you were an African-American, you were less than human. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and people really thought that women had, you know, a lower IQ or, you know, whatever. <laughs> And so all this stuff has kind of unfolded over the last couple hundred years. And and so those of us in our little community of robot rights, we're, we're saying, well, maybe maybe robots start to, to fit into these categories as well. Not that they're human and not that the, we, we equate that to all those movements and, and rights and civic rights and stuff, but that there might be something there for us to rethink um, regulation and in writing some of these um, policies so that we can protect people from further oppression and hurt because we haven't always got it right (laughs) yeah yeah no that's a great point and i and i think you know and i'm I'm pretty sure we'll we'll end up talking about this a little bit more but the it's it's about um so you have the robot right but there's somebody behind the robot yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you have that that way of thinking that people may say it could be biased. Right. You know, yeah. it's fed into the robot or the machine and it could be biased. You know, so I, I, I know when we talk about uh, like what our beliefs are on the future of robots and how similar they are to humans. Well, I mean, I, the way I look at it is, you know, this robot is being created. Right. There's somebody behind it programming it. Right. That's mm-hmm. where the jobs are going to sort of go or shift to. Right. Uh, your your may you may you may actually have um, a robot that can replace some position that you're in. But now, as the new generation is growing up, right, it's not, hey, let me be this maybe worker, be the person that the robot may take over It's I have to learn coding maybe or something that's behind the scenes to actually control the robot. So I still am teaching them to think like this, you know, yeah. and so that's. That's just my thought on it. And so my opinion is that, you know, that we are still decades away from maybe the future where robots just carry out more difficult and meaningful tasks, mm-hmm. you know, than humans. Uh, but um, I mean, we're 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 far away from uh, what you would look at uh, like on TV, right? On TV, on television, on the television, they actually talk about, you know, yeah, humans being betrayed through like science fiction and all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the robots. You know, like, yeah. we're not there yet, uh, or not. We're close, um, I think. But I still think we got a little ways to go. You know, do you think that at one point um, the future of robots would be very similar to the human? To okay, so there's like different depictions of mm-hmm. robots in film, and they're not usually great. You know, right. we think about right. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner and um, Terminator, all those, in which I love those films. Uh, I Robot, and you know, robots are totally different entities, right? And but like you said, 
AI, <clears throat> all an AI is, is an artificial entity that can um, make a decision based on a process of evaluation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's AI. What is a robot? A robot is just, the robots I talk about anyway, they're just the embodiment of that. And so <clears throat> we, and the way that it works sometimes is we know what the robot's doing, and then mm -hmm. sometimes we don't. Right. And so there's inputs and outputs and there's in between those are these little things called nodes and in certain systems. Right. So we need to be careful in certain systems. Yeah. You can say, OK, I gave it this input. It traced this pattern and get this output. Now, some of them can't. So that's the difference between supervised and unsupervised learning. Um, right. And so when you get into more unsupervised stuff and we don't really know why it made that decision. And right. so that's that's what's troubling to a lot of people is, okay, why did it make that decision? And that's what people fear, and we have a right to. Mm -hmm. But there's something else. There's something else that we need to fear, and that's our trust over of the machine over the human, mm -hmm. right? So like, um, most of plane crashes are related to human error, mm -hmm. most of the time. And so if the pilot trusts the navigation system more than he trusts, you know, his ability to read the instruments or whatever. Or, you know, if you're going down the road and you, um, you're in a new city, right? Do you trust the GPS? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you trust, um, uh, autocorrect on your keyboard? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, what if it was spelling things wrong on purpose? You know, we, we don't, we trust it. And I think yeah. that's a that's a bigger issue for me to think about well, is that cars, right? You know, yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> we do. We, them, just, we tend right to trust that it's it's unbiased. It's um, it's smarter than us, and that I think that's just not true. As far as like computation, yeah, it can compute things differently and faster than we can because we have a different neural network, mm -hmm. right? And that's just we have a wet neural network. It's slow. It's it's old. It's MS DOS, you know, or slower. <laughs> and the older you get, the slower it gets. But it's more reliable, <laughs> believe it or not, you know. And um, there's something to that. But probably because it's actually experienced stuff, right? You yeah, know? you're you're experienced. You're embodied. Um, and so a lot of times, what we do, and you see this throughout, and I'll trace this in chapter two of my book, is that through this development of uh, robotic futurism, is what it's called we start to like project onto these machines, you know, oh, they're like children or they think like this and they develop like, you know, human. and then I just don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people are starting to kind of point that out. Like, you know, machine is not going to desire the things that we want. If, if it was fully autonomous, you know, why do we think that it wants to take over the world? Mm -hmm. Why do we think Terminator and Skynet is where it's like, it's, it may want something totally different. You know, right, it, right. it may want to live underground and never deal with humans at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I think that's kind of scary, too, though, is just we project all these things upon it. All negative feelings, right? You all know, negative. Lot, lots of fear. And yeah, I've never heard of anybody say, I, I believe that artificial intelligence may make a robot uh, one day change the world to where we all can get a million dollars or something like yeah. that. I don't know, you know. Well, it's so. it's there, like, um, but it it tends to be one demographic, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it tends to be more privileged, upper class people who 
um, and I do talk talk about that too, is, mm-hmm. you know, it tends to be white males who come from a certain family who mm-hmm. like this technology is just going to, um, it's going to make everything better. It's going to prevent poverty. It's going to, and it may, but common sense, I think would tell us otherwise that that's typically not how technology ends. It's, it usually hurts people. Um, and even stuff like the chocolate industry, right? All mm-hmm. that stuff coming from the Ivory Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's just so there's so much stuff in the food industry that's unethical. And yeah. <laughs> why, why do we think something so complex like technology is going to make us more ethical? And yeah. I, I don't get it. Um, but that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm, other people like me are trying to write and educate people like we, we need to be concerned. Because like you said earlier in our conversation, AI it has somebody behind it, right? Yeah. There's somebody who wrote the code. It's an imperfect human yeah. who has biases, who has prejudices. And you, you don't come to it as a blank slate. And I think that's what scares people is we, we're projecting our fallenness and our brokenness upon the machine. And I think there's some uh, reasons for that. And we're starting to see that it, it's very dangerous. Um, and, and I think, too, there's another a great book, um, Artificial Whiteness, mm-hmm. if you're interested, uh, by a scholar. I think it's pronounced Yard and Cats. I think that's his name, K-A-T-Z. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book about uh, the imperialism and capitalism behind AI mm-hmm. and how the things that we, we think about AI now is, right, oh, it's just a al- bunch of algorithms and all this stuff coming together to process this stuff it doesn't have bias and we know that's not true um because if you if you go to google type in black hair Mm -hmm. the results that you're going to get are pretty disturbing right right Um, right yeah and um there's there's all kinds of stuff that you you right no you're absolutely right i mean i i mean that that definitely goes in when we talk about the impression of algorithms right Mm -hmm. you know and you look at how just a simple like Google search of something, you know, it has to be some type of bias results, you know, in the algorithm that does not, uh, that actually could offend a lot of people, right? When you, when you, when you do the search, right? You yeah. know, so, I mean, you bring up an amazing point from that aspect, you know, um, what, so I think you mentioned something about rights uh, related to AI, right? And it was, and it was interesting because I actually saw this, I'm sure people who uh, follow artificial intelligence, they, they've seen uh, uh, Sophia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. and so I said, man, I, I got to talk about Sophia. We talk about this topic because, you know, Sophia, Sophia was granted citizenship, right? Yeah. In Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so the first <laughs> robot to be granted that, right? And so, you know, uh, and when we think about citizenship, right? When you think about uh, as a citizen of a country, you know, you have the right to um, to own property sometimes, right? You know, uh, you you may be able to vote in certain elections and things like that, uh, and even run for office, right? And elect yeah. the office, right? And so, those are the things that I first thought about when I said when they said that Sophia not yeah, a citizenship. Yeah. Oh my goodness, can a robot? Are they going to have rights? Could our uh, president be robotic one day? <laughs> you know, I mean, so Sophia is interesting, and she also has a lot of really 
strong advocates and strong, you know, uh, opposition, you know, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people say that Hanson is the company that made her, that it's just a stunt, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. she doesn't really have, she doesn't, she can't like vote in Saudi Arabia and most mm -hmm. women can't, which is kind of why that's offensive. <laughs> yeah. um, she has more rights than actual women um, mm -hmm. in that country. But yeah, um, I think that's the question that I'm interested in. Yeah, And I think when you talk about rights, I think it's very important that we, we talk about nobody is making an argument in this community for human rights for mm -hmm. robots, right? I, I don't think that they'll be equal to humans at any point. Um, now, I think we a lot of times we like to push, right? So we challenge and say, well, people, it's not a human. It can't, you know, well, what is human? What mm -hmm. does it mean to be human? Is it, you know, cognitive ability? the ability to reason is it some property that we hold inside of us and, and you see throughout the history of philosophy right people try to solve that problem and they fail because yeah. there's nothing we can observe other than i you know i know i'm a real person right right but right. then you know, this could all be a simulation i can't i can't prove to you that i'm not in a simulation right now mm -hmm. or that you know you're not a simulation of my own mind and i'm in the matrix somewhere right, right? right. um i can't prove that but I, I, I believe that it's this real and that this is real and there's real consequences. Um, and so the rights for robots, people, we're not saying human rights, we're saying legal rights. And so what legal rights means is that they can, there's this gap, right? And responsibility. So how do we hold the robot responsible for damage that it causes without the company saying, Oh, well, it's just, it's just a piece of property. You know, yeah. it's just it's just an algorithm <laughs> that ran. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, if that's the case, nobody wants to buy that product. And, and just like you said, with the self-driving cars, is the car going to um, protect the driver or the pedestrian? Well, who's mm -hmm. going to buy? Who's going to buy the car that protects the pedestrian over the driver? Right, you're right. <laughs> so, I'm right. not. I'm not getting in that car. Myself, right, in my right. family. <laughs> so, you know, likewise for corporation stuff, who's who's going to what companies are going to buy these products uh, that could be really great, that could be really useful and helpful and provide a lot of good if the you know, they're going to get stuck with the lawsuit. And or if you can't go back and say what company is going to make those robots or whatever it is, if they're only going to get sued, if the programmer is going to get sued. And so there's these responsibility gaps that we have to account for. Um, and so this is a way to, it doesn't solve all the issues for sure, but it kind of minimizes the gap a little bit so that we can say, okay, look, um, we don't know why the robot did this. We don't know. Um, the answer is not blaming the corporation, but the answer is not also just giving them a scapegoat either. There has to be some middle ground here. Um, if we're going to protect humans and protect human coders and mm -hmm. manufacturers. So there's yeah. all these dynamics playing and, and swirling around and we're, we don't have all the answers because guess what? There hasn't been any hard case studies yet. Um, but there was one and I mentioned in the book where um, this programmer gave an AI, mm -hmm. it gave it some Bitcoin and every day it had a certain allowance mm -hmm. and it went on the black market, mm -hmm. you know, totally, on its own 
It went on the black market and it bought like cigarettes, a spy camera, uh, a couple other things, and then some ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And they put it in an art exhibit. Okay. Uh, and then the government officials came in and said, um, you can't have that in here. Right. They were, they were showing all the things that the AI built. And, um, and so they arrested them. Okay. Well, they didn't technically buy it off the black market. Right. right. The AI did. Yeah. So yeah. Who is, who is responsible here? You know? I don't know. <laughs> and so a lot of people say, well, the programmer is, but he technically didn't buy it. And, and I think too, you'll, you'll get into that as uh, corporations. Now uh, there's one in China who has an AI entity on its board. Mm -hmm. So, so now we're getting into real, um, decision -making. Yeah, right. so it can sign a contract it can do all those things and you know what if it sells all its shares one night or you know <laughs> you know what if it whatever yeah and so th this is not just something that a bunch of weird guys thought up in a room somewhere that just because we want to sell books but this this stuff's going to have practical implications in our lives and it already has right. um, we're, we're just now starting to kind of trace the threads now that's this is so interesting because um, when I started getting into data science, one of the first things I thought about was like insurance, right? Mm -hmm. you know? And I think about okay, you get into an accident and you have an automated uh, a, a, a automated vehicle, right? And uh, you know, um, like who's who's at fault, right? I don't I don't know who's at fault, right? Can the drive could the driver have stopped them? You know, maybe they were sleeping. They just believed so much in the vehicle. They just let it go do its thing. And then, but I think the real question will be, can you protect the coders, right? I think mm -hmm. that the people behind them, if they did not account for making a right versus a left or this specific person, right? We talk about oppression of algorithms, you know, yeah. uh, um, maybe an individual that was African-American, right? And they say, oh man, I just, for some reason, I wasn't able to detect that, right? You know, yep. or something in there where they just missed a step, right? You're, it's so much, dependency on that coder to be right right yep. in every aspect of it and so that puts a lot of pressure on that person you know mm -hmm. the more i think about it and at the end of the day i think that's the only person that you can kind of trace back to say try to put some blame on even though i still think that you should not <laughs> you know um yeah, but yeah. but they're the person who developed it right you know the person who's making the decisions to say if you do this then you do that you know if yeah. else yeah. and you know, some basic statements like that. Right. And so, oh, my goodness, you know, you have me thinking about all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's complex. And uh, I think to um, talk about the go back to the oppression part of, of algorithms and stuff and facial recognition mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, there's a there's a great um, kind of exposure in that, because, you know, a lot of these robots and a lot of this um, facial recognition stuff was not. Uh, doesn't have access to a lot of black skin. Mm -hmm. And so the the rate of failure for like identifying, but this is where we're headed, right? And China's already, they they got more cameras than they got people, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and so, but theirs is really precise. And so I don't, I don't know what they're doing right and we're doing wrong, but um, and we just, we have a high rate of failure. So that scares me um, for people of color. Because if you have a 70%, 80% failure rate, you identify the wrong guy, uh, you punish him or take him to jail or whatever it is, you know, I mean, that's an issue. And, yeah. and I think 
<clears throat> some of the problem is we want to innovate so fast and the rate of innovation is so fast and we don't stop and think, oh, okay, should I do this? I, I know we probably can, right? We can, but should we do it? And mm -hmm. I think that's where people like me come in and, and aggravate people and, and uh, annoy them and say, you know, yeah, that's, that's great. And you, you present this narrative like AI robotics, it's, it's everything that's in the future. We need to do it. But I'm like, mm, I don't know if we should. I don't know. We've we've messed up so much stuff in the past. We've we've hurt so many people. Like I don't know that we we've really figured out. It's like we don't know what a human is. Let's make let's make a robot that looks like a human. Um. Okay. Right. Maybe they need to. I always believe it's always about you know when I say about the data, it means like the more historical data you collect, the better decisions you can make. You know and maybe they haven't collected enough, you know, from the right resources. And, you know, of course you want to make sure it's clean, you know, cause dirty data gives dirty decisions, you know, or bad data gives bad decisions. Yeah. But you know, the more you collect, the bigger the data set, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the, the, the better the chances of efficiency, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or, or it could be that the bigger the data set that you get, uh, the more likely you could reinforce what you want to see happen. You know, and I think oh. um, that's what you see a lot in the military. Uh, and so just a little background on AI. A lot of it has has been propped up by military, the military industrial complex, mm -hmm. right? That that's what drives research and stuff in our country, right? The military is the biggest, one of the biggest mm -hmm. employers in the U.S., right? And so we, I mean, on the civilian side. Yeah. Now, um, this is something we don't often think about is you know if you take away a lot of that research you take away a lot of jobs you take mm -hmm. away a lot of food um and I, I i'm not for or against military right now i just don't know where i stand um uh but you can't deny that ai is built on the back of the military mm -hmm. and it's being used in a lot of strange ways because it's being used to say okay in 2010 it was rebranded it was rebranded to say, and that's where we start to get all these narratives about AI is unbiased. AI is, you know, our objective, scientific, empirical way to make decisions. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's not. And in fact, it's it's a way for us to say, okay, let's take like drone strikes, for example. We can guarantee, you know, based on this algorithm, a certain percentage of collateral damage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a certain amount that's acceptable, right? It's nice. like, okay, well, but that's still, that's so cold and calculated, right? That's still a possible child and yeah. still, you know, an innocent person mm -hmm. um, based upon an algorithm. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy to think about. And there's all types of other stuff that the public really doesn't see. All we hear is, oh, well, it's, you know, the computer ran this program or it did this and so I think the same thing is going to happen with robots. They're just, now it's just AI with arms and legs, <laughs> you know, right. and now when it makes a mistake, you die or, you know, you're maimed or something like that. And so I think the risks are much higher. Um, and we don't, we don't have a lot of room for error. How, how far do you think we are from, uh, I mean, you just, you brought up a great topic because uh, we talk about, you know, your background military and then, mm. uh, you know, automated warfare, right? You know, mm -hmm. 
that's something that I think uh, scares a lot of people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think about that every once in a while. I'm like, oh my goodness, because you have the strengths of artificial intelligence that I see, right? I see a lot of strengths there, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're effective at a lot of tasks, uh, um, at certain tasks. They're effective at um, maybe imagery, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, image recognition, things like that, you know, or uh, recommend recommending something, right? You know, yeah. for right? Um, or even language trans translation, right? We're talking about, you know, being able to speak multiple languages, mm -hmm. those type of cool things, right? But then I do look at some weaknesses, right? I see like multitasking sometimes, you know, being a weakness, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, like the human is capable of being able to identify like a, a enemy, right, vehicle, being yeah. able to decide a weapon system to employ mm -hmm. against it, predicting his path and then being able to engage on a target, right? All at one time, yeah. you know, and they're able to do that because they've been training, 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 and they have those uh, resources in, in, in their head, you know, because they've been training, they have the experiences, right? But then the, the weakness sometimes I see in the human aspect, sometimes it could be a weakness, depending on what is empathy, Right. You know, you think about the emotional side of things, you know, do yeah, I yeah. bark on this because I have these feelings from this experience that I had years ago. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so I get I get all twisted in the mind when I think about uh, <laughs> warfare, right? <laughs> warfare mm -hmm. and automated warfare and AI. So what's, what's your thoughts on that? I'm strongly against it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. I, I'm against it for a couple of reasons. Um the first one is the the major argument for automated warfare is that it's going to prevent collateral damage, is going to prevent further um, conflicts and all that stuff. Like it's very much a utopian vision of like you know we're just going to have a bunch of robots on a battlefield, we're going to duke it out. But like you said, um, that's not how war works. Um, and I, I don't think like if we went to war with uh, a certain nation, they're just gonna be like, all right, you know, our robots lost. That's yeah. it. Right. No, that's, that's not how humans work, man. Like somebody punches <laughs> you in the face. No, yeah. you, you remember that stuff, right? You <laughs> think about that in, in the bed and you know mm -hmm. that war is much more complicated than that. Um, and so I think some of these people who that they're on these research um, funding payrolls in a lot of ways, you know, they, they work with these, um, corporations or, um, whatever they're, they're a part of it. Okay. And so I think some of it is, it just pays to say, yeah, it's going to benefit us and it could, I'm not saying that they're absolutely wrong. They could be right. It could end all conflict. Um, but I just, I don't see that happening, but I, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But they they present this this one narrative that this is it's clean warfare. It's you know mm -hmm. the the robot's going to be able to identify and select the right munition. Right. It's going to be less collateral damage. So it's going to be humanitarian aid. I'm like, well, you could that's just what yeah, you, know. you could just make a robot for humanitarian aid if that's yeah. really what you want. I mean, you could do that. You don't have to strap on a you know fifty cal or you know <laughs> a saw. It doesn't have to have a saw on it. I mean, come on. <laughs> but that's kind of how you 
advance that funding and advance that research is you say, it's, oh, it's going to give us all these things that we want. And, and most people don't want war. They don't want um, all the negative stuff we've seen. And our country's been at war for a long time yeah. and multiple, multiple conflicts. Um, but I, I don't think that's the reality of it. And then another issue I have with it is, um, especially with drones. So if there's an operator behind it, which will most likely be the reality, there's going to be up close death. And so um, David Grossman talks about the uh, aversion we have to killing. It's just a natural aversion, unless you're a sociopath, um, <laughs> which which a robot is mm -hmm. in, its, in its being, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have empathy, that. right? <laughs> um, so it kills that's it doesn't it doesn't feel um well some some do social robots are meant to to be emotional and feel but these are a little bit different um so you you have this up close killing and a one one drone operator who had i think the most to date when when i looked at it it's like 1600 kills confirmed mm -hmm. kills that's a lot of kills mm -hmm. and not not just kills like you know, there's certain distances, you know, you have like a hand-to-hand -hand combat, um, you know, close quarter combat, and then you have, you know, snipers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, a drone strike, it's like you can see a license plate up to two miles away. So you can see impeccable detail of your encounter, right, mm -hmm. and killing that target. And and a lot of these Air Force um, psychologists were saying, you know, there's a lot of moral injury to our drone operators, there's a lot of burnout. Mm -hmm. And so you you may from nine to five be flying in Afghanistan or Iraq or Pakistan or wherever we're not supposed to be. And mm -hmm. then you go home, yeah. you know, you're supposed to hug your wife and kids and you know, whatever. And so that's just not, there's, there has to be something wrong with you, right? If you, that doesn't affect you emotionally. I just mm -hmm. killed somebody up close and I saw, you know, their, their family running to them and I'm going to go home now. Yes. Yeah, think about, think about the, Oh my goodness. This is such a great topic because you, if you think about the impact that it has before drones existed, right. On somebody that went in and said, Hey, I'm going to kill this person. I mm -hmm. have to, right. Because it's either them or me. Right. You know, and I have to have this, I have this and I come back home, family and things like that. PTSD, all that stuff that happens right to an individual now you're talking about i'm expanding the amount of kills that i'm probably having right mm -hmm. you know because now i'm going through uh a, a a technology that i know can just i can knock this person over here i can go over here i can do this and stuff so now i turn my 800 to 1600 mm -hmm. right you know now i just double triple you know my kills in the span of days hours weeks whatever it is and so i'm still seeing it because i'm up because i'm operating it and we don't think that that impacts right the human the human who is operating you know and they have to yeah. go back home to their families uh is still impactful yeah, yeah. I, th I think the way that we're designed by god is mm -hmm. killing something is supposed to be hard mm -hmm. it's supposed to, you're supposed to have an aversion to it mm -hmm. right you don't like to kill even our, our our pets you know it's it's a strong we have a strong emotional reaction to that and then taking a life which we see very early on in the Bible, right? It's like one of the first major events after uh, the garden that happens is Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. What happens? You know, 
I'm killing you, man. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't even know why. I'm just upset. And um, there's there's so many layers to it. Um, and I think another one that is unethical too is we don't talk about how addictive that thrill is. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, it's a very small percentage of. Um, I was in the army side, but there's this very small percentage of people who've been in actual legit gunfights and stuff like that. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like 10 percent or something. And mm-hmm. so you have like 10% of the 10% of the population who've been in these real harsh gunfights. And when they talk about it, it's, it's either they are extremely addicted to it. Like there's, there's no, there can be no rush like that. Right. Right. You think, you think about these redneck deer hunters and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why they get up at four o'clock in the morning, go sit in a cold deer stand and and wait and watch is because it's addictive. It's that thrill, you know, and I don't share that by the way. Um, I'd, I'd rather sleep late. Or, you know, right. <laughs> but some people, man, that's their life. They they mm-hmm. they live around that, and then you you put that to a, a different category when you talk about hunting a human, mm-hmm. and um, and violence is is fun, it is, yeah. and it can be addictive, um, and so there's another level of moral injury that I'm worried about. Um, not just in our society is so just engulfed in it. We think yeah. about, um, yeah, my favorite movie is you know, crime thrillers. Mm-hmm. I, I love them. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, not, we just gotta be careful because when I, when I got in to the military, I wanted to be, you know, a ranger. I wanted to jump out of airplanes. And oh, do all that. Yeah. Man, I didn't do yeah. military, but yeah. I read a couple of books where I said, Oh, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL <laughs> or a ranger. That's it. I'm jumping right into the mix. <laughs> and that's it. Hold up. I think it's the age limit. So I think it was yeah. around my 30 years old. I was too late for Navy sales. So I, yeah. I think I hit the cusp of a uh, ranger. I said, you know what? Let me, let me rethink everything. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's a big price to pay, man. It's a big yeah. price. And those guys do some great stuff, especially mm-hmm. the seals. You know, they're, they're great guys and uh, I support them and I support, you know, my fellow veterans and members, but mm-hmm. I think the machine is a problem in how we approach conflict and, and I think AI and especially robotics now are becoming a part of that because they're propping up the machine even more. And it's like, oh, well, you know, when's it going to be like, well, we have this algorithm that says if we don't go to into conflict with this country, then we're going to have this many people killed and we're going to have, you know, this much collateral damage here. You know, that, that's going to be the logic before long. And mm-hmm. um, our kids are going to see the impact of that. Our grandkids, you know, they're, it's it's coming, you know, and it's already here in a lot of ways. Um, and so I want to I want to push back on that narrative. Um, and, and who do they take advantage of? You know, the poor kids. They yeah. you know they they find and like me, you know, I wanted to go to college. Yeah. Uh, mommy dad wasn't gonna pay for it. I didn't have the grades, and so mm-hmm. they got me, man. They came yeah. and they're like, hey, here's some <laughs> money. Here's school. Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is sign up six years. Yeah. And uh, I did. Oh man, no, no. This is this is a great topic. I I really appreciate you being on to be able to share some light from your experience. You know, and and this is good because you've actually experienced things, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about military, right? You've been there, right? You know, so you're shedding light from that aspect and being able to talk about how you've gone through the process of being able to uh, study artificial intelligence, being able to study the gap between that and religion. You know, your mm-hmm. pastor. So everything is not coming from just uh just talk right just theory right you actually are 
talking from experience and exposure. And I always say that's the best way to to learn things, you know, mm. to, to jump right in and experience and, ex and, and these things, you know. So I really appreciate you doing that. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit more at the end of this about uh, the oppression of, mm. algorithm, of algorithms, right? You know, and uh, looking at uh, some stuff that I did some research on um, when we talked about, hey, this is a hot topic that we want to introduce to people. Um, you know, like studies show that search engines like Google or smaller search engines, mm -hmm. right, they supposedly offer uh, equal playing field, right, <laughs> you know, for for um, all forms of ideas, identities, you know, you name it, uh, activities, you know, mm -hmm. but data discrimination is a real um, that's a real social problem, right? Yeah. That I'm seeing in the world, and uh, and and it's, it's crazy because it's it's something that should be highlighted more, right? You know, so we can make an actual change. But I don't know if it's the fact that technology is moving so fast that you can't handle some of the the problems that need to be handled, right? You know, yeah. they want an autonomous vehicle, but let's get past some of these problems before you throw out there this vehicle yeah. that may hit somebody of color maybe or something right yeah. you know or uh uh it's just so many different aspects right you know you look at when you do a search right on something right say uh black women you may get something out there that's that's crazy like pornography right or something like that right like, most likely that's what you're gonna get right you know yeah. and so that is something that should be talked about because we have to solve those problems before we can keep moving forward but for some reason we're moving forward. We just keep trying to move forward, and we're bypassing some of those things, right? You know, yeah. um, you know. What's your your thoughts on maybe how we can even change that, or or is there yeah. a way to change it? Or you know? um, yeah, I would believe that there is, or I would just give up. But yeah, <laughs> uh, and I think too, we've seen recently um, the lady that was fired from Google, who was brought on to do ethical stuff right she wrote a mm -hmm. paper about some of the things that she found uh, i can't remember her name uh, so i apologize to her but um yeah she was fired mm -hmm. you know she that's crazy to me yeah. you know you you have a person of color you have a minority working for you that can help you kind of see uh and kind of put the drop the scales right mm -hmm. um and so i think the first thing we need to do especially everybody you know, we just, we need to talk about this as open as we can. And so people are so uncomfortable, especially white people are, are very mm -hmm. uncomfortable about talking about race. And, and I don't know if that's just a cultural climate that we're in. Yeah. Um, and, or people either get really sanctimonious about it. But I think coming from the South, it's just more a part of life, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, there's, there's black people, there's Hispanic people, and we're just all intertwined now. We're still segregated in a lot of ways. I don't yeah. like it. We are. Um, and we have different cultural spaces. And so one of my friends uh, told me, I asked him that very question. It's like, how do we kind of start talking about this without, you know, and he said, just share the same space. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the things that I do, and I'm not saying that I'm a perfect example, but I go to a black barbershop. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I, it's very uncomfortable sometimes for me. I don't right. understand all the culture. I don't. I'm very mm -hmm. white. <laughs> so, um, but you intentionally but, do that. Yes. You know, so I, that you can, yeah. I mean, no, that's, that's a great point right there. But I love it. I love it. And, you know, it's fun. And it's like, you know, we have church in there. 
we do mm-hmm. you know we we talk we talk about their family we talk about life and that that is a cultural center and i, sh- I share that space with them mm-hmm. and i just i just listen yeah. and I've, I've learned all kinds of stories about um how they're treated in shops mm-hmm. and and how like customers will come in and say you know just the most racist things like you mm-hmm. what what makes you think you can say that to another mm-hmm. person right and i don't i don't get that i don't i don't get that and so you know people don't come to me and talk about this crazy stuff um and so one we just need to acknowledge we're in different spaces we are and for better or for worse that's just we're different um we identify with people who look like us who think like us and that's just you know why why do we think that's going to be separate from the technology that we make and so <clears throat> i don't have all the solutions but one of the things i think has got to happen is the public has got to hold these companies accountable and a lot of them are trying to hold themselves accountable it just <laughs> it doesn't work right you say, yeah. i'm going to i'm going to you know make sure that i keep myself accountable and i'm going to you know but you you can't look behind the curtain ever you can't ever ask me questions about it or you get fired. Uh, that's not the, the answer. Um, and so I, I think we're on the right trajectory. I do. Uh, we're, we're, we are talking about race more. Um, you know, we're having conversations like this and um, uh, we're trying. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I think it may, yeah. it may not happen right when while we're here, you know, right. but you but but you got to start the conversation. Right. And you have to. You have to keep introducing it and and the more you know i always talk about how it's it's sometimes it's hard to change the minds of the people that have been here on earth for many years right you know the older folks right even the people around our age right you know the 30 year olds thing like that it's a certain point when you kind of get stuck in your ways you're stubborn and i get it right you know you don't want to change uh but the most impactful people for the future are going to be the babes, right? You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the younger generation, right? You know, yeah. and so our kids, we're educating them on these things that are going on, not necessarily saying, hey, you know, you should be against it or, or angry about this and things like that, but saying, hey, look, this is what happened in the past, you know, and so this is how we're trying to change it. And so as technology has continued to grow, as we talk about artificial intelligence, oppression of algorithms, things like that, you know, it's great for us to have the conversation, uh, yeah. but it's also great for us to have that conversation. Maybe not uh, um, throwing these big SAT words at the younger generation, right? You know, but maybe teaching them in a certain way where they'll understand when they get older. They say, "Hey, you know, our parents actually, or or you know, yeah. teachers actually talked about this, and so this is how we can change it because they will be the ones behind creating the algorithms, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be the ones that are." Uh, uh, creating all these different tools and they're going to be the developers and the programmers because the robots and machines will probably be face four in the front of a lot of these things, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so they have to maybe shift careers and maybe learn how to code more and, and things like that. And so they have the opportunity to make that change and difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's that important is. too. Um, you know, we, we model for our kids a lot and you know our interactions on social media our interactions with people you know we 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 teach them a lot in what we say and what we don't say and i think mm-hmm. we you know like Great we, we we have ki- people in our house all color uh we we try to <laughs> racism i think in a lot of ways is something that we we teach them and mm-hmm. 
I mean, that was taught to me. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you, you don't date black girls. You don't date mm-hmm. Hispanic girls. And I tried. I got in trouble, you know, and um, I never understood that because they're the ones who like my blue eyes. Yeah. So, you know, but for our kids, you know, I don't want to push that on them. Like, I don't want to push that. Like you said, I don't want to project onto them. uh, But we do need to at some point. I don't know when the best age is, um, but I do want to, especially being from the South. At some point, they're going to realize that, um, you know, why, why aren't we? more involved with these communities right, right or why did why did so-and-so say that about this person mm-hmm. there's just some in our lane and i think it is starting to change a little bit and people are yeah. starting to kind of see the madness behind all of this stuff like you know that person is not different from me it's they're not. you know they're not a different person their phenotype on their skin may be a little different right you mm-hmm. may be darker or lighter whatever right. but we're not different and mm. you know we want the same things we value the same things but culturally yeah we're different but that's okay that's not a bad thing and and so i think valuing culture but also um kind of helping our kids see that we're we're not afraid to kind of walk into those spaces either and there's nothing wrong with it um and we we actually invite it and and cherish right. it and i think too with um kind of going back to your question about you know, tech companies, I think we have to push um, in our regulative bodies that we're trying to build, you know, like we have the Federal Trade Commission, we have, mm-hmm. you know, the FFA, all that stuff. Um, FAA, but we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need diverse backgrounds on those bodies, right? right. We need all demographics, people who come from different religions, people who come from different um, worldviews, Mm-hmm. And I think really that is how we start to kind of see the gaps in our thinking. Um, right. Like I was, I was raised my grandmother. Uh, it's a very white space. So mm-hmm. I thought like that for a long time. And then when I got into the military, it was oh, yeah. all, all, all black space. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the only white person there. Never felt out of place. Never felt um, uncomfortable. You know, it was just welcomed into that. Yeah. And um, I saw a lot of, troubling things yeah um by some very racist people you know and um so i i hate that i hate that i can't i can't change everybody's mind but i think for me i can choose to be different um Mm -hmm. i can help my kids see that this is the better choice and i think we can push that too as far as our government and our policies that this is what good governance looks like and looks like Um, multiple colors, multiple backgrounds, mm-hmm. and multiple degrees, um, whatever it is, and not just the rich white people who are in control of the technology or, you know, the rich whatever person. It needs to be regulated by the people, right? And yep. um, we have to really push for that. Yeah. And so uh, the first step really is educating people that this oppression happens mm-hmm. and it's going to get worse if we just say, oh, Google will take care of that. Right. They're going to figure it out. You know, yeah. they're smart people. Okay. You know, and um, <laughs> think that if you want to, but they're not, you know. And um, so I don't, I don't feel bad for these companies that have profited mm-hmm. off um, this oppression, who will profit off of it. Um, I want to I hold them accountable. Hold them to the yeah. fire, man. And, um, 
and teach our kids to say this, you know, there's, there's a right and wrong and we need to, to help fight for it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Josh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. There's some amazing insight into things. And, uh, as usual, I mean, I don't even know if I need to share a dope, dope data nugget <laughs> today because I think you just really, um, ended that, you know, but I, I like to hear different people's opinions. I think this has honestly been one of the best podcasts that oh, I've had, you know, the many, thanks, man. I appreciate you being on and sharing your insight. And, you know, I mean, the, the one thing I would say, you know, I always thought, I think I talked a lot about how um, you always thought to myself that the data doesn't lie, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, the more we talk about these things, right, when you, when you look at the results you get from some search engine, things like that, you know, well, okay, somehow algorithm, the data lies, right, to you. You know, but we have a way of being able to change it is what I'm mm-hmm. hearing. You know, we have to collectively join together and start to educate each other, right? Start to educate the younger generation that's gonna be very influential on yes. the future. And um and we can one day make a difference. Maybe not when we're here, you know, but if we continue, right, you know, slow yeah. us down wins the race, you know. Um, and so we just continue to take uh to do things like this, right? Podcasts to do things like speaking engagements, to do things that are, you know, posts on LinkedIn, whatever it is to continue to say, look, hey, you know, these things need to be changed. And as we continue to grow in the masses, you know, all groups, religions, colors, you know, thought processes, world uh, views, you know, as long as we continue to uh, grow together and we and we and we have the same mindset, you know, we'll move mountains, right? Yeah, we'll make yeah. a big difference mm-hmm. against the tech companies. So, you know, I really appreciate you being on. And um, as I like to end now, as we talked about before, <laughs> I like to get into some of the fun stuff at the end. Right. You know, we, we have a lot of serious conversations and um, a guy named Gary Vee, I actually got this from. So I don't ever try to steal his thunder, you know, but he's a motivational <laughs> speaker that I listen to all the time. And he came up with this cool thing on Instagram one time called overrated, underrated. And so mm-hmm. his opinions probably mean a lot more uh, and they're more important than than maybe mine, you know, or anything like that, you know, no, it's not, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, I thought it was, it was pretty cool. And so I like to throw out, right. Um, some ideas, some, you know, person, place or thing, whatever it is and say, you know, and ask the, inter- the person I'm interviewing, you know, is this overrated, underrated or somewhere or right where it needs to be. Right. And you can give your <laughs> reasons why, if you want to, or we can go into the next one. And so, um, I have a list of about maybe five or six, uh, okay. things. Um, and, and so I'm going to ask you, you ready? Yeah. Good. All right. Coffee. Uh, um, I think it's underrated. I love uh-huh. coffee, man. I do. And, um, <laughs> I really, I really preach that it's uh, God's gift to us <laughs> and that, um, not, not just coffee. So let me, let me specify like good coffee. Mm-hmm. So life is too short, you know? And so mm-hmm. when I see people drinking, like, mcdonald's and no fence mm-hmm. if that's you i just think you know it breaks my heart a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so so much good coffee out there especially <laughs> now and um you know like i get a different brand of coffee every month from do you uh, brew your own coffee sometimes or do you uh no i don't roast anything no but there's there's some local roasters here that i really mm-hmm. like um and then you know upscale coffee there's one called panther i really like um mm-hmm. There's all, all, there's just so much good coffee. Uh-huh. Um, so we get a subscription every month from trade. 
mm-hmm. and they'll send you a different coffee. Like they, you just tell them what you want, and mm-hmm. they'll hand pick it for you every month, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I would have I have a, a short story about coffee. I remember one day, um, and this actually turned me off from coffee. I don't know, maybe I would have been. Um, I've, I've I've never drank coffee since then. Mm-hmm. This was probably when I was about 10 years old, right? <laughs> and my dad, he drinks coffee, right? Even uh, to this day, he does not. But at one point, he was drinking coffee all the time. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was coffee every day. He was drinking coffee. And so I said, man, I got to get a taste of this coffee. I mean, this thing that he's drinking, we're going <laughs> in the morning. It must be good. You know, so he decided he left his coffee there. And I and he went off back into the house, right? And I said, "All right, let me try this coffee, right?" <laughs> you know, uh, without asking his permission. So I tried it, and I mean, I spit it all over the place in the car, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it must have been it must not have been the coffee that we're talking about because mm-hmm. um, I think even my mom said that the coffee was not that good. You know, the way that he liked his <laughs> coffee, it was just plain and didn't have anything in it. You know, and so I always think, man, what? You know what was the purpose of coffee? You know, so I, I didn't yeah, taste yeah. it since. So maybe I could revisit it. Who knows? Uh, just go, go to like a local coffee shop where you are, and just ask for a latte, and okay. start there. Get you a latte, man. And okay. uh, it's different when it's um, like the heat of the milk makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So the the milk's got to be a certain heat, um, and then the roast, the freshness of the roast. So if you mm-hmm. go and drink Folgers coffee, it's pretty mm-hmm. terrible. Pretty oh. terrible. That's <laughs> so like hard time. Everybody hears about on the commercials and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're in the apocalypse. If you're, if I'm drinking Folgers, it's it's pretty bad. Um, so yeah, don't don't do that to yourself. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, next one. So overrated, underrated sports. Uh, for me, I would say overrated. I'm just mm-hmm. not a sports person uh-huh. at all. Like I I used to like hockey a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, did you play? Yeah, I, I, I played sports growing up. Um, mm-hmm. I played like every sport that I could play, but I think I mostly did it because that's what my friends did. Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to be together. We, we played football, baseball, um, basketball. Uh, I'm terrible, but I played, <laughs> and I'm it, but you know, um, but nah, I could care less. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would probably say that it was a transition over years mm-hmm. when I was younger. I really loved it, played it, you know, um, all the way up until I didn't play anymore after college. Um, I played football, but then I actually, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go to NFL or anything like that. You know, as you can see, right. I'm doing podcasts here. It's just, you know, but, but I didn't go to, I know, right. I, I never went, you know, to the, to, um, anywhere after that, but I was all, I started to focus in on computers and data yeah. and, and things like that. And so, that became more interesting to me and you know um my my kids you know they play sports and they love it you know but you know it just it just became a transition i don't i barely watch anything i mean except for football i would still watch it but mm-hmm. i don't even watch college football anymore it just uh it's very uh, it's becoming overrated more than anything yeah. you know but at one point i would say man it's it's underrated man I, sports to the day I, die, I don't care what it is you know cricket i don't care <laughs> you know so uh all right okay next one cartoons uh depends what it is ah. like um i do like anime um mm-hmm. i used to a lot more um but it, like more so now like comics i'm a big batman fan love oh. it um not i don't read as much as i used to 
but mm-hmm. um, just because money is it's getting yeah. really expensive. Uh, but yeah, um, I think underrated a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think there there's something to it, drawing out our imagination and the different things that you can do with storylines and um, especially like what it, it brings out in us, right? You know, we right. um, mo- yeah, yeah. So I think it's underrated. Yeah. So so would you say that you uh, so are you one of those dads, right? That says, hey. I can't believe you don't know about this cartoon back in the day. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we've been guilty of saying that a few times. And we introduced them. Yeah. Like Mickey Mouse and Tom yeah. and Jerry and different yeah. things like that. But also it's been kind of disturbing, like going back in um, some of the older Disney movies. You're like, I can't believe we watched this. Like, yeah, it's yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, what Everything from the graphics <laughs> to what they were doing. I was like, man, why, why was I so interested in this? You know, yeah, so. like Pinocchio is terrible. It's a terrible <laughs> story. Who? I mean, why? Why was that a thing? You know, um, just poor, poor Geppetto. You know, it's like <laughs> so terrible. All right. Okay. Next, hardcover books. Oh, definitely underrated. Definitely okay. underrated. I mean. Uh, I love books. I love the smell of a book. I love mm-hmm. holding in my hand and and writing in them and, and just, you know, like I think in a lot of ways they're like my companions a lot of days. I'll throw them in my backpack or, you know, if I go to a coffee shop, not as much nowadays, but um, used to back in the day, you know, just, just yeah. being kind of surrounded by books. I feel like those, you know, I'm, I'm with friends mm-hmm. and not, not in a weird way, like I believe they're talking to me, but um, I mean, you know, I'm dialogue with him, with them, mm-hmm. and you know, I have thousands of books on my computer, but I just there's just something different about it. I don't yeah, I don't yeah. like it as much, and it and it's and more to on a practical level, just the eye strain because mm-hmm. we spend all day looking at a computer, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't want to look at it does something different to your brain, mm-hmm. um, and so just from from a practical perspective. You know, soft cover, hard cover books, you know, buy it, put it in your hand and fall asleep while you're reading or something. It's just it's just healthier, I think. Yeah, yeah it is a different feeling, you know, but the new generation, I don't know if they ever get that that same oh. feeling. Right. You know? <laughs> well, well, my kids are going to inherit thousands of, of actual <laughs> books. So <laughs> I, I told my wife, I was like, you cannot take these to a goodwill. Some of these books are really expensive. You know, just donate them to a library. Do not throw them at a thrift store oh you know i'll be i'll turn over in my grave you know (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right okay so pets Mm. uh we just recently got a dog last year we took Mm. in a stray she's a miniature collie but we've always been cat people but now Mm -hmm. i i can't stand cats like oh man so we have we have a little border collie and uh her name is lady margaret Mm -hmm. she's she's like an old person dog and uh (laughs) Like seriously, she's just super chill, and uh, she's she's a companion, man. So I'm I'm I think pets are are underrated. Yeah, I, I love pets. I love dogs. I've always had dogs in the past. You know, haven't had one in a few years. And my last one was a Japanese Akita, mm-hmm. uh, but I love them, right? I love them. Uh, you know, if somebody else has a dog, I'm never scared. I'm always going up to them, like, oh man, mm-hmm. let me pet you and. Things like that. I would say for me, cats, man. For some, it's something about cats that scares the crap out of me, man. You know, but, you know, no yeah, they're, they're evil, look, man. When I look at them, man, I'm just like, man, you could really do some damage to me. I feel mm-hmm. like, and I know a dog yeah. gets damage, but for some reason, they just seem so friendly. So when I look at a cat, I'm like, the way that you're just so sneaky, and, 
and you and you can sneak up on me and just mm -hmm. scare me, man. I I don't know, man. You know. And then so. their eyes dilate. They look like demons. <laughs> yeah. It's scary, man. So I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> All right, last one. Uno. Man, we're a big Uno family. Oh. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Underrated, man. I love Uno. Yeah. It's actually yeah. been. I think it's like the fiftieth anniversary of Uno. Oh really? Uh, um, or it was, I don't know. Um, oh, man. but yeah, it's been 50 years at least since Udo came out and, uh, we play it with our kids and they love it. It's a classic. You know, I don't yeah. think it would ever die out. I mean, generation to generation was, will go past. They will live, they will die. And Uno, you know, has been a, the classic one, right? I mean, they're coming out with all these different variants. It's like the Power Rangers or something, right? They have all these different like variants yeah. of, uh, Uno, but I still have to have a, a classic uno yeah. you know set mm -hmm. out of my house so you oh, know for sure yeah but uh but yeah so thank you thank you a lot uh josh you know you've been a great you know great person to interview i mean i i feel like you know i've known you for years you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so i really appreciate you being on um again everyone out there this is the data is my science podcast the show that makes data your passion i'm your host dapper data uh, where can they reach you at, Joshua? And is there anything that you are promoting right now that you want yeah. the audience to be able to check out? Uh, yeah, you can definitely uh, pick up my book on Amazon. This is what it looks like for my right. persons. And um, you can follow me at my website, uh, joshuakesmith.org. And I've got all the stuff that uh, related to my research and all the book links are there. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. My email's on there and um as you're reading whatever have a question email me i'd love to help out any way i can great great definitely check out the book everybody you know and as always you know that i can you can follow me on at mr dapper data on any one of the social media platforms um the link is in my bio on my website uh you can also purchase my book uh it's an ebook you know so sorry sorry josh i didn't do the i didn't do the <laughs> i plan on doing the hardcover soon you know <laughs> Uh, this is my first one that came out, you know, but um, uh, www.mrdapperdata.com forward slash dapper book um, and definitely subscribe to the podcast. You know, thanks again, Josh, for being on here. You know, I have had so much fun, you know, and until next time, we got to do another one of these. Maybe during yeah. there's a cyber week, there's an AI week coming mm -hmm. up in May. Um, okay. And I've been thinking about doing specific segments, right? Maybe having about 15 minute snippets here and there and stuff where I talk to people that are. Um, in AI, have different perspectives on different things, different topics. Yeah. And just really being able to do that and promote that out, you know, so the world can hear um, awesome. all these intelligent people such as yourself. Yeah. So, well, thanks, um, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, thank you, um, and uh, talk to you later. All right, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion, with your host, Dapper Data.